Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for Coffee and Company, fueled by Thornton's on Sports Talk 790. Now here's Nick Coffee. You know, sometimes I play into, you know, just being this dumb idiot that says nonsense on the radio. And a lot of that is true. But, you know, I don't I don't think that I'm truly, you know, well, you guys can have your own opinions. But I like to at least think that I'm not the dumbest person on the planet. But when I see things like this, it does make me feel more justified in assuming I'm on the smart side of America than the dumb side. So I'm reading here from Gray News that the National Park Service is having to remind people to steer clear of wildlife at Yellowstone Park. And it's because people are seeing adult black bears and elk and bison and other, you know, wildlife that you would see at a place like Yellowstone National Park and they're wanting to like play with them and I just I mean, they do it for the content do you need a reminder that hey you probably shouldn't approach a black bear I think that's what makes people want to approach them like no I'm not one, condoning it it's like whenever you know you shouldn't like stick a what is it a paper clip in the socket yeah but you that still kind of do thing. it exactly yeah like people are I don't want to, I don't I never, to call people I look, dumb, but that's what people I, do. Oh, people are dumb, John. Let's be real. I know you're the nice guy, but like there are a lot of dumb people out there, and for that, we get great content. But I'm trying to think of when I was a kid what the equivalent of like the – I mean, I don't know anybody that actually put something in the socket because I think we knew it would electric – you know, electric. I mean, I was scared of everything as a kid. I'm the guy who you know thought it was true when they said if you have your eyes crossed when you sneeze, they stay that way. To this day, I'm still not willing to risk it, but like, I don't think that's true now. I don't think my eyes are going to stay crossed if I sneeze while they're crossed. What are some other things that your parents told you that you just believed? That's a good question. Because you know what I'm talking about, yeah, right? I know I can't, exactly you know, what you're talking maybe, about. Maybe we'll find an old list, but like, there were things that you said as a kid that like, or you're, you're, there, there were things that were said to you as a kid by your parents that like probably wasn't true, but it was a good way for parents to just scare you straight, to have you not act a fool. I remember, this is so dumb, but I remember when I was in like fifth or sixth grade, my buddy Blake and I learned what being something being flammable meant. And we had a bottle of hairspray and we lit a lighter and we would like hold the lighter and spray hairspray and like it would have this huge flame and like it was badass. I think there was a moment in my t- in my life where I kind of became a pyromaniac. I think I grew out of it at some point, but like I was super fascinated with that. Like I remember my sister, and if she's listening, this is finally after years of 
me lying about it, I would take your, I would steal your hairspray and and just run it till it would, you know, spray it until it was gone because I just wanted to see the flame that you would get. But anyways, look, I I like to use this platform to, uh, you know, to share important news, and here I am sharing it with you. The National Park Service is letting you know that if you go to parks like Yellowstone, please don't approach animals that could eat you for an appetizer. All right, it's Coffee and Company, fueled by Thorns here on Sports Talk 790. 502-571-7900 is the number if you guys want to jump in and give us a call. And, like, just know, when you call in during the commercial break, our breaks are about five minutes at minimum. I hate when they give us seven-minute breaks, but I guess that means, you know. That's usually the first one of the hour yeah, if it happens. I hate that, but, you know, I guess it's, you know, it's business, right? Pay the bills, as the people say. But, like... So many times people call in and they just hang up because they get tired of waiting, which whatever, you got stuff to do, I get it, but like maybe time it out better. And, you know, so if you were on hold and you hung up, you can call back. If not, that's fine. The number is 502-571-7900. And if you want to text in 502-653-0790, I started the show mentioning uh, how it's just, you know, it seems like each day, I'm reminded about how there is legitimate, genuine excitement and expectation for Louisville football. And Jeff Brom's messed around to where he's actually done so well in the portal and he held on to a good chunk of that 2023 class that ended up being, you know, in the eyes of some, a top 30 class, which is, which makes it one of the better classes in school history. Not the best, but it's one of them. And add that in with the other big factor, which is that Jeff Brom has shown he's a pretty damn good coach. And like it or not, in year one, there's real expectation there. And I like that, one, that there is expectation there and that the coach is not going to run from it. He's going to embrace it and expect to be good this year. And one of the things that really, like if we're going to break down sort of where Scott Satterfield missed the mark. Where do we start? Big picture, he didn't win enough. He had a losing record in the ACC in four years when the league wasn't very good. That's the biggest part of it. He didn't embrace the job. He didn't get what Louisville football was. He didn't really do a good job of making us even believe that he was good at faking that he like cared about Louisville. I think he's a bad guy. But look, with coaches, it's all transactional for the most part. Same thing for Jeff. Like, I won't speak for Jeff Brom, but the opportunity was there for him to come home to Louisville, and he did. But if Louisville tried to get him on some crazy hometown discount, he probably wouldn't come. Because you know what? To To an extent, it's transactional. So, again, back to the Satterfield stuff. One of the things you are judged on as a coach in most places is how you do against your rival. I think it depends really on the situation with your rival. Like, for example, Rick Pitino did not do well against Kentucky when John Calipari was here, right? I mean, he had a, what, a few wins? Not not a lot. In fact, how many wins did Rick have against Cal? I can think of... I can think of... Two? It's crazy to think about, but I think that's the case. I think he won two. But you know what? Like Calipari was also in his absolute prime at Kentucky at that time. 
and Rick was still having success overall. He was going to Final Fours and National Championships. So, yeah, it really stung to lose to Kentucky, but you still were having enough success where, like, it wasn't putting Rick's job at jeopardy. Well, Satterfield wasn't winning enough, didn't really embrace the job, flirted with South Carolina, lied about it, then made it just weird. I think at the end people were kind of over that, but it was just weird. It was awkward, right? Like It's like when you're in a relationship with somebody and you can't really specifically say, okay, well, we're done because you cheated. We're done because I found out you might be, I don't know, you might be going at, maybe you might decide you're no longer going to be heterosexual, whatever it may be. Like it wasn't, there wasn't some crazy like, well, this is why we have to break up. But it was just weird. It just didn't feel right. Even when you had some good days, like when Louisville would, in fact, you know, manage to get six or seven wins, you would think, okay, well, that's good. So I should be, or that, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's something. So I should be happy. But you had to force it. So Satterfield, I think, in my opinion, really missed the mark on a lot of stuff, including he got curb stopped by Kentucky every time they played. He did. And you can be mediocre here, and I don't know if you'll last forever, but you can be mediocre and last longer here and have more fan approval if you do well against the rival. And he didn't do that. That really could have, and we'll never know, it's a silly hypothetical to even bring up, but let's just say everything about Satterfield in his time here was the same other than the rivalry aspect. Like, let's just say he went... because he was here four years. They didn't play one year. He went 0-3, and I think the average margin of victory for Kentucky was, I mean, damn near three touchdowns, I think. So let's just say he won every one of those games. I feel like the, you know, the excitement level would still not be there for Louisville football, but you'd feel a lot different about Satterfield because that kind of stuff matters. So last night, Jeff Brom and his family, they were at, the Frazier History Museum for a feature that they're doing at Frazier on the Brom family. I think it's tied to some kind of a rivalry thing they're doing. And all the Brahms talked. It was not just Jeff, but also the brothers, of course. Now, you know, the Brahms squad, they're on staff here. Brian, Greg, and then Oscar and Donna, the uh, the parents. And Jeff Brom didn't say anything about the rivalry that's like a jab that's going to piss off Kentucky fans because Brom's in town and he's calling his shot. Nothing like that. In fact, he gave a very general comment on the rivalry and said what you'd want to hear, but like we can believe it. We know it's true. With Satterfield, like I don't I think if he had the if he had the quiet way out, he probably would prefer not even to play Kentucky. With Jeff, he knows what it means to this fan base because he's one of us. He played here. Even when he's at Purdue and he's at Western, he's a Louisville fan. He's he is Louisville football. He's the the Brom family is the first family of Louisville football. So it's just I love that we can sit here and think positive, and it's not like we're having to just you know do mental gymnastics and 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 manufacture that enthusiasm and excitement. I don't know what's going to happen when these two teams play in Week Twelve at the end of the season, but I feel justified in saying. I know this team under Jeff Brom is going to be more prepared and more ready for this game than they were under Scott Satterfield. I think we, we understand that for sure. And, uh, and that's important to understand. You have to understand rivalries if you're going to really 
put an emphasis on trying to win it, and uh, it can't just be another game. There has to be preparation being done now uh, before the season starts. Um, Kentucky obviously has had some success here in the past, and they've done a really good job. So we're going to have our work cut out for us. Uh, fortunately, we get to play at home, and uh, you know, you hope that you have some momentum. You hope that you have some guys healthy, and uh, you know, we need to go win the football game. And uh, so, without question, that is a, a priority for us. And and uh, you know, we get we need to make sure we're working hard at it. So again, there's nothing. There's nothing really that stands out about that soundbite of anything that you wouldn't expect a coach to say, but I just now feel like I can believe it. And Satterfield, to be fair, I think he was a good guy, and I think he was pretty much what you see is what you get. But that also, I mean, at least lie to us, Sat. Tell us you're fired up for that game, and you're going to be like, <laughs> I'll never forget, like, this was two years ago, I think it was. I don't think he was sat heading into his last year, but maybe it was. I don't know. I get I get the, the years mixed up. But Brom came to town and did a he was had a speaking engagement while he was the coach of Purdue at Flag J High School and and I think it might have been like the Unitas Club or something like that. And Rick Bozich was there and he made a story out of what, you know, basically Jeff Brom not saying he's going to be the coach at Louisville one day, but talked about, of course, how difficult the decision was, how the timing wasn't right when he turned Louisville down, but essentially left the door open that, you know what, yeah, maybe I will be the coach one day. I'm paraphrasing. I don't think that's what he said. But that, you know, that that's that's something. That's Jeff Brom coming to, you know, it's his town. He's literally Jeff Brom. It's Louisville. It's Jeff Brom. But, like, Sat's the coach. Brom comes to Louisville and says, yeah, you know what, they wanted me. Timing wasn't right. But, you know, maybe I'll come back and take your job one day. Again, I'm reaching. He didn't say it along those lines, and I don't think he meant any real disrespect to to – Scott Satterfield, but like Tom Lane of WDRB, I remember had a sit down with Satterfield and and had the you know the stones to say, hey, here's what Jeff Brom said when he talked to our own Rick Bozich. What do you have to say? And like Sat gave this like nervous chuckle laugh about like, well, well he's gonna have to wait because I don't plan on going nowhere. <laughs> and it just wasn't real. Like it was so fake. Like I, you know, it was just like it was. I mean, I don't know what I would have expected him to say because I don't think he has like a mean bone in his body. But like, I remember hearing that thinking like, yep, that's what I expected from Satterfield. Well, he's going to have to wait because I don't plan on going nowhere. That's a terrible Scott Satterfield impression. I'm just trying to do like, you know, the Southern good old boy Carolina tone that he had, if that makes sense. So football season's going to be here at some point. It's going to drag on because we're so excited, but man, I cannot wait. And I mentioned having the uh this uh this annual Lindy's College Football National Preview. I mean, this is a big magazine, John. This is the first time I bought a magazine in a while. So I didn't even know they that you could buy a print version of that. Yeah, they now make it to where you can buy like the PDF, which is uh you know, the new digital way of doing it. But I like having a physical copy in my hand because you know what? I can I can tell you what they so here is the rate they rated in Lindy's magazine all one hundred and thirty-three FBS teams. I can tell you where each local team came in and what they said about them. Kentucky was at thirty-six, and it says Wildcats import QB Devin Leary from NC State to replace Will Levis. <laughs> That's literally their <laughs> their assessment. Of uh, of Kentucky, and on Louisville, and and let me see. Yeah, 
I keep it dark in here so I can barely see, but let me just uh yeah, for Louisville, Louisville was just two spots behind Kentucky at thirty-eight, and the and it says excitement with Brom is warranted, but big leap might be a year away. I wouldn't disagree with that because it usually takes, you know, a big leap for a new coach is typically within a couple of years, maybe three years, even with the portal now. But what what has me so optimistic about Louisville football this year, one of the things, again, I like their personnel, I love their coach clearly, but how can you look at that schedule and not say, damn, they might mess around and put together a really good record? Because they avoid the you know the three teams in the league that everybody just assumes is going to be ahead of them, and that's Florida State, North Carolina, and Clemson. And this is the year where divisions don't matter. Indiana came in at uh, number seventy three. And <laughs> I'm sorry, John. It's okay. Indiana. Let me have it. Indiana came in at number seventy three, and again this. Uh, I'll show you the magazine, John, just so you know. But they'll they have like full on previews for each team. I'm just looking at literally they rank every team one through one thirty three on one page. So it's just they only have literally enough room for maybe eight words at max. This is what it says about Indiana at seventy three. It's been a long time since that twenty twenty season. That's all it says. It's very fair. <laughs> That's very it's true. Fair. Yeah. So, anyways, also I like having this in the studio here because you know what? Let's just say we get to I don't know week whatever, and uh, Louisville's got I don't know. Let's say they bring in, let's say they bring in uh, whoever in the ACC. I can just flip this page. You guys hear this flipping of the pages? I can just look at. Uh, I can look at Boston College and say, you know what? They've got back six starters on defense, John. They're going to be a tough out. Like, I can just fake it because I can just read what Lindy's told me. And it's, you know, it's good information to have. And there's something about having, you know, everybody reads a lot of stuff online now, even books, like they got the Kindles and all that. But I like having this physical, you hear me flipping these pages, John? Very tactile. Thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's good stuff. All right. Uh, speaking of good stuff, let's go to the phone lines. 502 502- Six five three zero. I'm sorry, that's the text line. Six five three zero seven nine zero is the Ellen and Federal Credit Union text line. If you want to give us a call, uh, you can do that as well. Five zero two five seven one seventy nine hundred. Let's go to the phone lines and welcome in JD. What's up, JD? You're on Sports Talk seven ninety. Hey, what's going on, Nick? How you doing, brother? Hey, I got a, got a quick question. You know this live golf PGA thing. I mean, I'm I'm not an enthusiast, but I, I, I follow the PGA and I, I've watched live and. They got a different setup. Well, what I don't understand that kind of came out, I don't know how I missed all this, is how these survivors from 9-11 were so against it because they're from Saudi Arabia. Is it based on the fact that uh, bin Laden was from Saudi Arabia? Is that, is that where all that came from? I would I would be talking out of my rear end like I typically do. But, yes, I mean, that's – here's the thing. The PGA was so – this is why the hypocrisy is crazy, J.D., because the PGA – Instead of just ignoring competition like you're you're taught to do in most professions, don't give them attention, don't give them any promotion on your platform. The PGA yeah, went to war with 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 this this competitor to, that you know this wannabe competitor essentially in the Live Golf Tour. Oh, I and, see, and, but that's really not my question. My thing is it's almost like 
Yeah, I, I people was... are against the Saudi Arabian people. Yeah. I was in Saudi Arabia after the Persian Gulf War, post-war, and the Saudis that I met loved America because yeah. we stopped what was going on. Yeah. It's almost like because bin Laden was from some. What I'm getting at is it's stereotypical. Because, you see what I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not getting political here. I know what you mean. But let's not hate. Let's not hate an entire ethnic group because, yeah. or you know, because one bad apple. And yes, I'm glad he's dead. He needed to die a long time before that. But anyway, I don't understand the hatred towards Saudi Arabia because of 9/11, when it was one bad apple with a bunch of his minions causing this. I'll, I'll hang up yeah. and hear what you got to say. Thank you, JD. No, I, here's what happened. The reason the 9/11 stuff has come up is because the PGA did that. They were so, you know, they wanted to bring morals into it and take the high road and shame anybody who did it, who had any association with the Live Golf Tour because of the, you know, the saw, you know, the Saudi Arabian money that that it comes from, and 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 yeah, I mean, I don't think the average. I could be wrong. Again, I want to be clear. I don't follow this as closely, and I'm far from you know being well-versed in politics and that kind of stuff. But, like, I don't think a lot of people would have even thought of 9-11 that much when it comes to the Live Golf Tour. I don't think people would have made that correlation and and, and ran with it. But you know who did? The same jackass that's the PGA commissioner who used the platform on CBS at the Masters and whatnot and would kept bringing up 9-11 victims to take that moral high ground to where – you know, they were trying to share a message that if you, I mean, this is the this is the crazy level of hypocrisy here with the Live Golf Tour and the PGA Tour stuff is that you were trying to get the audience to believe that if you were supporting the Live Golf Tour that you were like in some way pro 9-11, like what? And that's a preposterous angle to take anyway, but to now go from that to then saying that you're partnered with them it's just it's it's without question one of the biggest examples of hypocrisy I've ever seen in sports and the 9/11 stuff again not I don't want I don't want I know a lot of people listening to this show or listen to this show are way more um informed on that kind of stuff than I ever would want to be to be honest with you but the 9/11 stuff comes up because the PGA did it. They wanted to bring that into it to say that look, this is why we're against the Live Golf Tours because if we if we if we dare um you know do business with them and and and, and you know embrace this, then we're we're pro 9/11. Like it's just ridiculous. It really is. And two, I'm I'm glad JD made that point. It's like not everybody that is from Saudi Arabia or I mean I'm trying to toe the line and not, you know, go down a path that really isn't what this show is. But I think if you listen to JD there, I think he's spot on in regards to like, just because people are from there doesn't mean that they agree and are in favor and happy with the way things have been handled where they're from. So, yeah, I mean, I have a hard time seeing, what is it, Monahan, Mona, the, the PGA commissioner surviving this because, you know, the. Cl- do you call that a locker room in golf, or do you call it the clubhouse? I don't know. I think it's the clubhouse. Yeah, but the clubhouse, like, they have no respect for this guy. And they shouldn't, to be honest with you. So, anyways. All right, let's talk about my friends at DFH, right? You guys know the drill. It's dfhcompany.com. The number's 502-968-6222. You've heard, of for, heard about them for years because they've been great. But maybe I'll tell you something you didn't know. 
Maybe you didn't know about their maintenance plan. $185 a year for a single system. You get one spring and one fall consultation of your system. They're going to call you to schedule. If you're a, if you're in the plan, you're a part of their maintenance plan, you're a part of the family. So you know what? They're going to be thinking about you because you're family. They're going to reach out to you to schedule. Hey, you know what? The hot summer months are coming. Let me give John a call. I need to come out and take a look at the system to make sure it's ready to handle another long, brutal summer. So be a part of the family. Join their service maintenance plan. It's $185 for an entire year. And again, it gets you a consultation every time the brutal weather's on the way, whether it be the brutal cold or the brutal heat. It's DFH Company. You're also going to save 10% on all service calls, 10% on any additional equipment that you need. You get priority scheduling. I mean, it's a no-brainer. It's the DFH Company. Give them a call, 502-968-6222. Check them out online, dfhcompany.com. One quick thing I want to add to the the live PGA thing that is, you know, obviously turned a lot of attention to the PGA essentially getting insanely rich and taking the Saudi money and the corporations that we support in this country that are humongous, they do business with Saudi Arabia. So I think it's it's something to expect, you know, golfers to do something that our corporations don't do, right? Like those who shamed the golfers that took the Live Golf Tour money because I mean, you got a hundred plus million dollars coming your way. You're telling me you have the moral high ground to turn it down? It's a lot of money for anyone on the planet. A hundred million dollars. So I guess the fear now is that because the PGA did it, this Saudi money, this it's it's coming for all sports. And we just need to accept it and not, you know, I shouldn't say you shouldn't care about it because you can care about whatever you want. I don't want to tell people how to think. But like as a sports fan myself, this is the way I'm going to go about it. And maybe this is me confirming what you guys probably already think, which is that I'm a I'm a dumbass. <laughs> but like I'm not going to think that much about it because I I want to enjoy sports. Sports is entertainment for me. And I don't think a lot of like I don't watch sports and think a whole lot about the people that I'm watching about cuz I don't know them. It's not real. It's it's entertainment. And again, our corporations that we support, they do business with 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 Saudi Arabia. And I think the PGA being the first you know, because Saudi Arabia wants to be involved in American sports, and PGA opened that door, and I think to expect other leagues not to do that is is just not realistic. Not to say it's right or wrong, but I just don't think it's realistic because you know what? We, you know what we all know? It's very obvious in the world. Money matters a lot. Money is very powerful. And you know what Saudi Arabia has? A lot of money. So, I, I, you know, I don't follow golf that closely, but I do understand how big of a story this is. Um, but in my opinion, what makes it a big story is not just the fact that this happened. It's just the hypocrisy from the PGA to be so heavy-handed and, and you know, questioning the morals and the, the, uh, the you know, the, the character of anybody willing to watch live golf and now this is great for the game.
I mean, it's just it's it's the best example of hypocrisy I've ever seen in sports. I know that's probably some recency bias there, but I believe it. I also believe I went way too long in this segment. I apologize. Quick break. Now back to coffee and, and so, company. It's so, bad. By- it's so bad I'm playing the wrong sound. I mean, that's that's how you get flustered. That's how you know, you know, things are off the rails here. I apologize. You're listening to Coffee and Company with Nick Coffee on Sports Talk 790. Uh, uh, I think to subject the kids. You know what? It's funny. Nobody really cares what you have to say. Give Nick a call at 502-571-7900. Now back to Coffee and Company, fueled by Thornton's on Sports Talk 790. Give Nick a call at 502-571-7900. That's right, Coffee and Company rolling along here on Sports Talk 790. Hopefully you guys are having a good day. My day just got better because I just saw Radio Rick Ryder in the hallway, John. Oh, yeah, Radio Rick. Rick needs his own show. He does. I feel like Rick's got stories. I think he's got a lot of wisdom, too. Oh, he's got the wisdom. There's no doubt about that. But I feel like, you know, Rick's one of those guys where you could be talking to him for a couple hours. Maybe you're just shooting the you-know-what over a couple of brewskis. And then he'll like drop something about his life that make that like is crazy interesting. And you're like, Rick, why do you lead with that, man? Like he's just Rick's 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 the man. He doesn't know he has all that stuff built up with him. Yeah, he's got that uh confident, cool swagger about himself. He's he's the man. So um I look, I I'm just I mean, I'm I I've got all the co- I mean, I'm a college football insider now with this Lindy's magazine, John. Because I've just been reading and uh, they tell you in each conference, they do conference previews here. And I think this is a good way to lay out content. As a content creator myself, when they rank each team in each league, they give you good news, bad news, and then their call. And we'll start with, uh, with what they say about Louisville. Because I think this is pretty, I think this is a really fair assessment. It's not the most glowing remark about Louisville, but I can't really look at it and say like that they're that they're wrong in saying this because I think it's true. As much as I do have, you know, expectations in year one, I think the team's gonna be able to have a, a good season. Um I, I you know, elite talent is probably not how many would describe this group. But here's what it says about Louisville. They have Louisville as the sixth best team out of 14 in the ACC with Florida State, Clemson, North Carolina, Duke, NC State ahead of them. The good news for Louisville, they say in Lindy's magazine, Jeff Brom should be fantastic at Louisville. That's the good news. The bad news is the roster's not stocked with elite talent. It's a transition process for a reason. That's essentially saying, you know, the talent's not really where you need to be and it's that's why the change was made because with Satterfield it kind of had just you know run its course, and uh, their call is the Cardinals will make a bowl and be competitive and try to catapult themselves into the top of the ACC in 2024. I like that. Now here's what I will say: this magazine came out and was going to print before they finished up in the portal. I mean, hell, Louisville 
they still have, I think, a couple of scholarships left. I mean, Brady Allen, what did he commit, two weeks ago, something like that? So I don't know when this was actually printed, but you know, when you look at Louisville's depth chart in this magazine, it doesn't feature some of the guys they've added, not only Brady Allen, but some of the defensive guys as well. So I think I totally agreed with them 1 million percent, top to bottom, until they started to continue to bring in talent in the portal. Storm Duck, they brought in, what, four or five offensive linemen in the portal? They brought in that defensive back from Georgia whose name is escaping me right now but was a former top 100 recruit. So again, I'm not here to tell you that those guys are, in fact, going to be elite talent, but I think you can maybe bank on them bringing more than what a true freshman would. So I, for the most part, still agree with their assessment about Louisville, but If it ends up being, you know, where they're wrong to an extent because Louisville's better than the sixth best team in the ACC, I think it'll be because, you know, this process, this transition that they speak of wasn't as difficult because, again, Louisville added, what, 25, 26 guys in the portal? And their class, you know, depending on where you look, it's top 10 everywhere. All these different services rank the portal differently, right? Like, on three sports ranks the portal based off of what you lost and what you brought in, and Louisville's number one ahead of Colorado. I think the way ESPN does it, they have him at number 10, and then they're in the teens, I believe it is, in um, in, in, in uh, 24-7 sports. So I think that's pretty fair. All right, let's, let's, go, to the, uh, let's go to the SEC and see what they say about Kentucky. Let me, uh, let me shift through here. I think it's just great for... Live radio. I mean, this this is probably what it sounded like when you listen to the radio back before the internet, when guys had to literally read the paper to get content. This is back like when you know Tony Vanetti was doing sports radio. That was pre-internet, wasn't that pre-electricity, was, John? Was he was he a newspaper flipper? Oh yeah, Dude, I would <laughs> <laughs> I would go into to this was year this was long ago, but when the dogs were rolling, and I got hired to do middays. Of course, I'd be on from noon to three. They would come on at, at three o'clock, and then um, they would just be. Br- they, I mean, Dave Jennings specifically. He's bringing in the new, the sports paper, and it's just. I don't think those guys could literally function to turn. Not not to say they. It was a crutch for them. Like they could. Those guys are entertainers. They can do radio with with nothing. But my point is, they were just brought up in a different world of sports radio, where if they didn't have, you know, the paper. The, the the newspaper the, the 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 sports section like how can you go on air without that that's the bible and i can't tell you the last time i visibly saw a copy of a newspaper that is considered you know the sports section all right they've got kentucky finishing 6th in the east i'm sorry 5th in the east behind missouri and vanderbilt here's what they say the good news for kentucky oc liam cohen returns to spice up the offense. Bad news. Hard to replace QB Will Levis and running back Chris Rodriguez. Their call. Stoops had two 10-win seasons in four years. He needs to keep momentum this year. I agree with everything they said other than one thing. Do you know what that is, John? What is it? I don't think that it's going to be that hard to replace Will Levis because he wasn't that good in college. He was good especially good for Kentucky, if that makes sense. They hadn't really had a... I mean, their quarterback play under Mark Stoops before Will Levis was not even average. I mean, Terry Wilson was leading them to their best season start ever with like a 5-0, 6-0 record, and he nearly got benched 
because they were winning in spite of him. So Levis was good, but I think Leary can be really good under Liam Cohen calling the offense and those phenomenal young receivers they have. You want to hear what they say about uh, your Hoosiers, John? I, I want to hear it. I'm sure it's... Okay. I'm curious. I'm just, I'm, I am very curious. I, I think it's exciting for you, John, because like even if you guys are like if you're a five win team, you've exceeded expectations, which is not fun. That's not a, the place. Yeah. It's not the place you want to be. But like you know, and I love your honesty because you're not at all bothered or surprised to see. I do like, just hate that we're back to oh they just need to yeah. barely make a bowl game. Yeah. Well, or if that you said five wins, that wouldn't even give them bowl eligibility. But, but don't you think that's just kind of what's to be expected whenever you have the history that Indiana has and they yeah. go, and they go from being bold team to good team to then, you know, back to old Indiana football, right? Like I'm not being I'm not I'm not I'm not out of line in saying that, right? No, you're you're right. It's yeah. just a lot of people on the fan side of things thought that Tom Allen was changing the standard. Sure. And it looked like he was. And then it, they took a step back. Yeah. Indiana is picked to finish seventh in um, Which is last. Oh in my the God. East. The good news it says we're thinking, hmm I'm going to take a guess that Lindy Sports just looked at last year's Indiana team the last two years and said, we don't need to look into this. We yeah. know it's going to happen again. Bad news, they say, is where's that 2020 mojo since then? IU has gone 2-16 and 16 in the Big Ten. Again, just facts. Yep. Uh, their call says this. To avoid hot seat, Tom Allen needs to at least avoid the seller. You I agree, agree, right? I agree with that. Everything else just shows me that they didn't really look into anything, and that's and that's fine. Because they're, I, they're trying to because say because I think one of the obvious observations on Indiana football, even from you and I just talking and me looking and just using this great resource that is the internet, Indiana did really well in the portal. Yes, and they don't seem to acknowledge that in this because Not you're right. They just were like, "That's ah, Indiana. Who cares? We'll throw them at seventh. Nobody cares." <laughs> that's probably how they look at it. Exactly. Now, if they don't go to a bowl, like, could he lose his job? I think if he got to five wins, he would be able to go one more year. How long? He's, he's under contract for at least the next few years, Yes, right? and his buyout's fairly large, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. But, I mean... It, Telling you, man, get the rocking chair in the locker room. The message will sit with the guys, and it'll be Leo all over again, loving everybody, everyone, right? Loving everyone. Love each other. Love each other. I'm sorry. Close enough. It's close enough, yeah. <laughs> You're listening to Coffee and Company with Nick Coffee on Sports Talk 790. What, what kind of lives are these? We're like children. We're not men. No, we're not. We're not men. We're pathetic. You oh. know that? Yeah, like I don't know that I'm pathetic. Join. Give Nick a call at 502 571 7900. Now back to Coffee and Company, fueled by Thornton's on Sports Talk 790. Give Nick a call at 502-571-7900. That's right, Coffee and Company rolling along here on Sports Talk 790. We've got a little bit of time left here, and then, of course, the 5 o'clock hour on the way. We'll finish strong. And I really mean it this time because we're going to bring in our man, Mr. Kent Taylor of WLKY. He's going to join us coming up at uh, at five thirty. All right. So one of the things that I I got to admit I missed this. This was last week following the SEC meetings where they, of course, talked and later revealed their new scheduling model. But this new policy that um, 
it's I mean, it's happening. This is uh, adopted new protocols and penalties that if, in fact, you storm the field. Like, let's say in the SEC, if you're South Carolina and you go on the road or you host. I don't know. Tennessee. Yeah, Tennessee. That'd be a big deal if they won, which I think they did actually upset them last year. But if you're if your fans storm the field, you have to pay the team who played you that you beat. Because nobody storms the field unless you win, unless you're Tom Crean and you cut down nets when you lose. But another Tom Crean reference. We need a we need a weekly tracker, don't we? A, week, a, drinking a, a weekly Tom Crean uh tracker. We're keeping that name alive in this market, but nonetheless, you have to pay them half a million dollars. My question is, why are they in, why are they entitled to the money by you storming the court or storming the field? That's what I don't get. Maybe because you're inconveniencing them and making it more difficult. You're for putting them. their players in danger, but you're also putting your own player. Like players don't storm the field; players play. So technically, if fans rush the field, both sides are in danger because of how scary it could become i guess this is some kind of a scare tactic and i get it like it the fact that we haven't had more awful things happen when there's a field storming is i think a blessing but fans that's not their money so i guess what you're trying to do is to tell these schools look I don't know what you got to do, but you've got to staff up, get the resources to make it clear that ain't nobody coming on this field after the game. That's probably the message you're sending, but, like, good luck. It almost feels like if you do that, though, you're asking for fans to potentially be more violent if they're going to try to get on the field anyway. You know what I'm saying? Like a dare, right? Yeah, like, yeah. come at me. But, and again, like, I don't think anybody likes the idea of being a fan because it assume, I assume you support your program and you don't like the thought of doing something that costs your program a lot of money. But here's the thing. It ain't your money. <laughs> it's it's theirs. So, um, I, I mean, I, look, I could be wrong, but we haven't, to my knowledge, seen a national story where somebody got hurt and tried to file a lawsuit, have we? In fact, no, I'm sorry, we did. This is... Uh, I don't know whatever happened with this lawsuit. Now I'm going to nerd out and look it up because I'm just interested. There was a Pac-12 school, I believe it was either Washington State or Oregon State, where fans were on the field after the game, and one of the players just straight up punched the fan. And it was legitimately an assault. And I don't know if they settled or what happened with it, and the guy shouldn't have punched the fan because it wasn't even technically. It's a Pac-12. They didn't have enough fans there to storm the field in most games. But the student tried to sue the school. And it's like, okay, like you shouldn't have been punched, but you also should not have been on the field. You're not a part of the game, dumbass. You're a fan. Your right is not to be on the field because you bought a ticket. All right, hour number five is on the way. or <laughs> The five o'clock hour, hour number three is on the way. What if we did five hours today? That'd be too much Nick Coffee for you. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.